Did you know that Kansas is the home to the real Windy City? Dodge City, Kansas has average wind speed of 14 miles per hour, making it the windiest city in the U.S. Welcome to the Lore of the South. Hey y'all, welcome back to Lore of the South with me, Kelly Cruz. How's everybody's spooky season going? Y'all know I love ghost stories and the like, but I've never been a huge fan of horror movies. Now, I do like thrillers and sci-fi, but to me, a lot of horror is like a gory Hallmark movie. Predictable and cheesy, but this year, partially for the sake of this podcast, and so that I have recommendations for y'all, I've been watching some spooky stuff. I watched Haunting of Bly Manor. Yeah, yeah, mm. I think Sixth Sense and the others were way better. Then I watched Hereditary. It took me three tries to make it all the way through that hot mess. I know some people absolutely love that movie, but it was just sad to me. Then I watched the 2020 version of The Invisible Man. Now that was a decent movie. It was like sleeping with the enemy meets sci-fi. Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. What else? Oh, if you have HBO Max, look for the UK series Ghosts. It is hilarious. If you like what we do in the shadows on FX and Hulu, I think you will love Ghosts. I put another post out on social media asking y'all to choose this week's topic. Y'all unanimously voted for Wild West Serial Killers. And y'all, be prepared and forewarned. Like the title of this episode says, it's bloody and it's murder-filled. So here we go with episode 28, The Bloody Benders, America's First Serial Killer Family. The year is 1870. The Civil War has been over for five years now, and settlers are pushing farther and farther west. The U.S. government recently designated what would become Oklahoma as Indian Territory. They had, shall we say, relocated the Osage tribe from their native lands in Kansas to a reservation life in Oklahoma, opening up the lands in Kansas for white settlers. And this is where we meet the Bender family. John Bender and his son John Jr. signed a claim for 160 acres in the settlement of Osage, just seven miles from the town of Cherryvale along the Osage Trail the pair being part of a five-family spiritualist community that were settling in the area. Spiritualism really began taking off in this time after the Civil War. They believed that spirits of the dead had the ability to communicate with the living. You know, like famously Mary Todd Lincoln was amongst their numbers. She was always doing seances and the like, and even participated in like um, spirit photography. The two Johns built a one-room cabin, a barn, and a corral. A year later, they were joined by Ma Bender, Elmira, and her daughter, Kate. The two women put in a two-acre garden and planted an apple orchard. Inside the small cabin, they had strung up a canvas from a covered wagon to separate the living spaces in the rear of the cabin from the front where they set up a store of sorts for travelers along the Osage Trail. They would also offer hot meals in a place for the trail weary to rest overnight. The 
The other members of the community noted the oddness of the family, especially the parents of the group. John Sr. was described as very tall, with a furrowed brow, small beady eyes, long-haired, and bushy beard. The locals said he was a wild and woolly-looking man, aged about 60 years. His wife was thought to be about 55, was described as raw-boned ugly, with the personality to match. Her neighbors would take to calling her the she-devil. The pair both spoke in heavy, even guttural German accents, and were very hard for others to understand them. The pair stayed mostly to themselves, though it was spread about that Almira claimed to have psychic abilities and could communicate with the dearly departed, as well did her daughter Kate. Kate and her brother were known as the friendliest of the Bender Bunch. Both of them described as fair of face, with auburn hair, and they could even be called attractive. John Jr. spoke with very little accent and fluent English, though he did have the odd habit of randomly laughing at inappropriate moments, this giving him the title of the town's half-wit by the locals. Kate, though, was for a while the favorite of the family. She was very outgoing. She'd give speeches about spiritualism, free love, and was known to even speak on the sometimes necessity of murder. She would pass out flyers that advertised her medium abilities, and she'd offer up her services for seances. With her headstrong and outlandish thoughts, it wasn't long before the Benders and neighbors began to suspect the family of being Satanists. Not long after Kate and Ma Bender's arrival, some people from nearby communities had been reported missing. Though this was still the Wild West, so it wasn't uncommon for people to just disappear. May of 1871, the body of a man called Jones was found along the Drum Creek. His skull had been crushed in, and his throat was slit. February 1872, the bodies of two men were discovered along the same creek, their bodies showing the same signs of a brutal slaying that Jones had the year before. By 1873, a mere three years after the first of the Bender's arrival, this part of the Osage Trail began to get a reputation for lost travelers, and people began to avoid it. In fact, the locals had formed a vigilance committee and had arrested or run out of town a few men under the suspicion that they had may have been responsible for the disappearances. In the winter of 1872, a young widower by the name of George Longcore set out with his infant daughter from Independence, Kansas, with the goal of resettling in Iowa. The pair was never heard from again. A concerned neighbor, Dr. William York, took it on himself to try and discover what had happened to the father and baby daughter. He set out along the trail spring of 1873, planning to question settlers along the way. He made it to the homes of his brothers in Fort Scott. He then began his trip home on March 9th. He was never seen alive again. Now the York brothers were on the case. The family was well-connected, one of them being a formal colonel and a Kansas state senator. There was no way that they would let the disappearance of their brother go unsolved. Colonel York set out to follow his brother's route along the Osage Trail. He stopped at the Bender's cabin on March 28, 1873. 
He explained that his brother had recently been traveling through the area and seemed to have disappeared. The Benders admitted to having hosted Dr. York and suggested that maybe he had run into Indian trouble on the trail. The colonel nodded. That just might be the case, and he stayed for dinner, seeming to be entertained by the outgoing Kate. A couple of weeks later, a report reached the colonel that a young woman had fled the Bender's cabin in terror, claiming that Ma Bender had come after her with knives. York returned to the Bender's cabin on April 9th, this time with an armed posse. The colonel repeated the story to the Benders, the parents seemingly unable to understand English. John Jr. and Kate spoke up, denying the woman's claim. York, not wanting to give up, reported the story again. With this retelling, Ma Bender flew into a rage, totally blowing her cover and revealing that she had a perfect understanding of English and also spoke it quite plainly as well. When she belligerently told the colonel that the girl was a liar and a witch who had tried to curse her coffee, she then ordered the men from her house. Kate then tried to smooth things over by offering to perform a seance for the colonel so that the spirits could help find his missing brother. The colonel's posse were convinced that the benders were guilty and all wanted to hang the family on the spot. The colonel shot this idea down, stating that the group had to come up with more evidence first. It was also around this time that the townspeople and neighboring communities started placing blame on the residents of Osage for all of the disappearances. A town meeting was called and held at the Harmony Grove Schoolhouse. The meeting was attended by 75 men, including the Bendermen. It was decided that all of the homesteads between Big Hill Creek and Drum Creek would be searched. All the men volunteered to have their homes searched, except for the Benders. Three days later, a cowboy by the name of Billy Toll was driving a herd of cattle past the Benders' place. When he noticed the place look abandoned, upon closer inspection, he found that the benders were gone and all of their livestock left unfed. He reported his findings in town. About this time, a series of bad storms came through and prevented any further investigations to happen for several more days. When the weather did clear, a couple hundred men, along with the colonel, all volunteered to go out to the benders' cabin to search for evidence. Upon arrival, they found the cabin emptied of all food and personal belongings. What they did find left behind was a horrendous smell of rot and decay. They traced the smell to a trap door in the floor that had been nailed shut. When they pried the door up, found a six-foot-deep stone-slabbed hole that was covered in coagulated blood. It was then decided that the men would all gather around the cabin, lift it together, and move it so that the whole underside of the shack could be searched for human remains. None were found there, just the bloody pit. So the search party moved on to the land surrounding the cabin. One of the neighbors pointed to the vegetable patch, noting to the others that it always seemed to be freshly plowed. The men then used metal rods to puncture the ground to help locate possible graves. The first body to be uncovered was that of Dr. York. He was buried out in the orchard, face down, his feet barely covered by the loose earth. 
The men then continued to probe the ground until midnight, marking an estimated nine more grave sites. The men resumed their gruesome task the next morning, where another eight bodies were found. Seven from the suspected graves, and one body from the family's well, along with several dismembered body parts. All of the intact bodies showing the same killing method. Skulls bashed in, and throats were slit. Only one body was uncovered that didn't show these telltale signs. It was the body of a young girl who appeared to have maybe been buried alive. The search party became so enraged over their discoveries that they captured a friend of the benders, repeatedly hanged him, then would revive him to better interrogate the man. He was ultimately released, though I'm sure he was severely traumatized. Upon further investigation of the cabin, a prayer book was found with a piece of paper with something written on it in German. They had it translated. They had it translated and the paper had a few things listed on it. Johanna Bender, born July 30th, 1848. This being John Sr. Then it said, John Gebhardt came to America July 1st, 18... The rest was unintelligible. Next on the paper was the phrase, Big Slaughter Day, January 8th. And then lastly, the phrase, Hell Departed. After questioning a few people who had managed to survive their encounters with the benders, their murder methods came to light. They would seat their guests in front of the canvas wall. Kate would entertain and distract the guests while either the old man or John Jr. would hide behind the curtain and then would bludgeon their victim with a hammer. Then one of the women would come up and slit the guest's throat to ensure that they were good and dead. The body would then be lowered into the bloody pit where some of the bodies were thought to have been dismembered before being buried or dumped. More than a dozen bullet holes were found in the cabin. Reporters speculated that maybe they were from some of the victims trying to defend themselves from the bloody benders. Colonel York and the Kansas governor put up a $3,000 reward. In today's money, that is the equivalent to $64,809. It was a record for the time. The search party found the Bender's wagon abandoned outside of Thayer, Kansas. One of the team had gone lame and the pair had been left in their traces and were on the verge of starvation. The posse found where the Bender's had bought train tickets, the elder Bender's going in one direction, Junior and Kate in the other. It was thought that Kate and Junior went to live in an outlaw camp on the border of Texas and New Mexico. This lead wasn't followed though because most bounty hunters that entered that area never left it again. Another rumor said that John Jr. had died of apoplexy, aka a stroke. Several groups of vigilantes formed. One claimed that they had captured the bloody benders and killed the lot of them, shooting them all except for Kate, who they claimed to have burned as a witch before throwing their bodies into a river. Another group said that they had wiped the family out in a gunfight, then had buried their bodies on the prairie. Famously, Laura Ingalls Wilder reported that Paul had belonged to one of the groups and had captured the benders. She said that the only comment he made about the events 
was that those people wouldn't be bothering anyone else ever again. Word of the grisly murders spread and reporters and souvenir seekers swarmed the cabin and grounds from all over the country. There were so many souvenir seekers, in fact, that they completely dismantled the Bender's one-room cabin. They took everything from wood planks to the brick foundation to the bloody stones that lined the bloody pit. They even took apart the lining of the well. People are so weird. Over the years, different sightings would be reported. A pair of women were even arrested at one point, being mistaken for Ma and Kate. In 1884, a man meeting Paul Bender's description was arrested for murdering a man by hitting him in the head with a hammer. Word was sent to Cherryville so that someone could be sent up to identify the man. While in leg irons, the murderer cut off his own foot in an attempt to escape. He bled to death before the deputy found him. Not having any cold storage options, by the time the representative from Cherryville arrived, the body was beyond being able to be ID'd. Though for years after, a local saloon displayed the dead man's skull and had it labeled as Paul Bender's. From all of the bodies and the dismembered body parts found, it's estimated that over the course of three years, the bloody Benders killed at least 20 people. Different personal effects from their victims were found and identified. One man's horse had been sold to a neighbor. Another man's saddle was found in their well. The saddest discovery to me and the disappearance that would eventually lead to the Bender's downfall was that of the bodies of Dr. York's neighbors, George and his infant daughter, Marianne. The father and daughter had been buried together in the apple orchard. The baby girl was still dressed for the cold weather in her coat, hood, and mittens. And that was the bloody and violent tale of the bloody benders. Sorry for the gruesome details, but here's the side notes. This is where I share extra information about the story that I couldn't just seem to fit in. Come to find out later the only members of the Bender family, and I'm using air quotes when I say family, y'all, that were related were probably Ma and Kate. Ma was thought to come from the Adirondack Mountains. She was a widow many times over, and that Kate was the only one of her five children that lived. It was also speculated that she probably killed those dead husbands and might have even killed her own children. As I mentioned earlier, John Senior's real name was Johanna Bender, or maybe it was John Gebhardt. That was mentioned in the note. Also, to top off this gruesome story, it's thought that the Benders profited very little from their murder spree. It's thought that this murderous group did it for the sheer joy of it. Or maybe it was ritualistic for them? I guess we'll never know. And I need to give a quick shout out and a thank you to my Facebook friend Heather who suggested today's topic. Thanks, Heather. Let us know what you think on social media. Just search for Laura of the South on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, try to post pictures to go along with each episode. And um, from this one, there's actually pictures um, of the Bender's cabin. So I'll be sure to share those. Maybe share your favorite episode with a friend. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Also, be on the lookout for an extra episode this month for Halloween. And with that, we'll talk to y'all later on Lore of the South.